we're excited and we're thanking God for everything that took place over Carnival weekend. Last weekend was Carnival. And a big thank you from everybody here at Katie, all the staff and leaders, for those of you that volunteered and got involved in any way, from security and prayer to going out and ministering uh, to the thousands. You know, it was amazing. On Sunday afternoon, I just walked up towards Notting Hill Gate Tube Station And just as I got to the end of this road, just by Jamie Oliver's restaurant, I sort of turned back to look and see, saw the thousands and thousands of people just streaming by, because this was the main route to the carnival, streaming by the church. And when you're at the top, what happens when you sort of come in at Notting Hill Gate and you're ready to start your journey to see the carnival? The first thing you hear crystal clear was the amazing, happy gospel music that was booming out from our car park. And it was so wonderful to see people smiling as, as they were coming down, all of them hearing the first thing they heard of carnival was gospel music, praising the Lord. And as they came down, there were happy, smiling KT people giving out tracks. And we had a lovely, bouncy castle there. And, you know, there's not that much actually for children during the carnival. And so families were coming in and their children were on the bouncy castle and we were making making connections with them and and saying hi to them. You know, over 200 people made commitments to Christ uh, from our ministry that weekend. Amen. We are... We're following up as many as we can, those that gave us address. Not everybody, you know, lives in the vicinity. Some came from other countries. Some came from other towns. And so, but isn't it wonderful that many of them had a, they came to Carnival. I didn't think they'd, they didn't think they'd meet Jesus, but they did. And so we're we're, we're grateful for that. And um, uh, do you remember, I forgot his name now, Operation Mobilization. George Verwer, thank you. Do you remember when George Verwer came to us a week before that and was encouraging us in these things? So I emailed him to tell him the good news and he was so rejoicing with us and excited. He took the email and he, he shared it with some of his partners. So we're, we're, we're pleased, we're happy and we're going for it. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you please to turn to Galatians chapter 4. The title of my message today is the Isaacs are coming. The Isaacs are coming. And if there was one message that I would want to preach to the church, both here at KT and the church in general, this would be it. And over the months and years to come, if you stay with us here at Kensington Temple, you will note that this will be a theme that I certainly will return to again and again and again. Galatians chapter 4. And verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. 
For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of the promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brethren, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. I want today to speak about the Isaacs are coming. And to do that, I want to focus on the character of Isaac. Notice in that passage, Paul was speaking about two exact and opposite actions that are going on in the world today. On the one side, you had the promise of God, a promise of God to Abraham that was dependent on the supernatural and miraculous work of the Spirit and faith. And on one side, Abraham responded to that promise by the flesh. Now, when we're talking by the flesh, we're talking about making life work without God and using our own resources. And if you know the story, what happened was Abraham lost patience with God, gave up faith in God's promise and the power of the Spirit to bring forth the Isaac. And what did he do? He took himself, an Egyptian slave girl, Hagar, and Sarah said, look, let's do this ourselves. And he had his Ishmael. Ishmael had nothing to do with God. God had nothing to do with bringing forth Ishmael. That was on the one side. But then here in this passage, we're reminded of the other side. Isaac did eventually come. Abraham's faith did mature. And the promise through faith was brought to pass by the power of the Holy Spirit and the son of the promise, Isaac, the miracle child, was born. Now note in verse 28, it says, Now you, brethren, that means uh, Christians, male and female, now you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of the promise. Often we speak about Abraham as the model of faith for the New Testament believer, and that's true. Abraham is the model of faith for us. If you've never studied Abraham, you should. Because when you study the life of Abraham, you will see all of Abraham's mistakes in his walk with God are the mistakes that we have to beware. And all of Abraham's achievements as he grew in faith, his achievements of faith and believing God and walking with God, his achievements are there to encourage us and we should copy them. And indeed in Romans chapter 4 it says that Abraham is the father of all who believe and that we, his children, walk in his footsteps. So when you're walking in Abraham's footsteps, what does it mean? He's a model for faith. I want to put it to you today, although Abraham is the model for our faith in the Old Testament, Isaac is the model for our identity and our character in the Old Testament. It doesn't say, does it now, you brethren, like Abraham, or children of the promise. Uh, we're not Abrahams, we are Isaacs. And it says, like Isaac, you are children of the promise. When it says like Isaac, what it means is you should be like Isaac. You should be like Isaac because you are Isaac. Everyone, humor me and say after me, I am Isaac. I am Isaac. One more time. I, am Isaac. I woke up one morning and I wasn't feeling too good about myself. 
and I wasn't feeling too strong about myself and I was having one of those moments in life when we doubt ourselves and we doubt our calling and we doubt our ability to follow the Lord. And I was just getting ready to go to work and I was brushing my teeth and I heard the Holy Spirit prompt me on the inside. It was a thought that came to me and it was a thought that I would find out would be God and it said, this little voice inside me just said, say, I am Isaac. And I thought, what? I'm not saying I am Isaac. I don't feel like Isaac. I'm nothing like Isaac. I don't feel like a child of the promise. I don't feel like a man of the spirit. I don't feel like a man of prayer. I feel more like an Ishmael than an Isaac this morning. And I dismissed the voice, but the voice came back again a little stronger. Say, I am Isaac. So I looked at myself in the mirror, stopped brushing my teeth, looked at myself in the eyes, and I went, I am Isaac. And then I was prompted to say it properly. So I looked again. I said, I am Isaac. And then the Holy Spirit, I believe, said, say it again. I am Isaac. And something broke on the inside of me. And I realized that this was my identity that God was calling me back to. And it began a study in my life of Isaac. And we are Isaac. That's why I got you to say it. You're Isaac. Abraham... He is your model of faith. We walk in his footsteps, but we don't walk in his shoes. Hear me. We walk in the footsteps of Abraham's, but we don't walk in Abraham, but we don't walk in his shoes. Whose shoes do we walk in? Isaac, because we are Isaac. And Isaac, if Abraham is the Old Testament model of New Testament faith, Isaac is the Old Testament model of New Testament, the New Testament fruit of the Holy Spirit. I've already mentioned to you, we see that there is these exact polar opposites that Abraham, according to the flesh, without the promise, the Spirit was involved, was not involved, sorry, brought forth Ishmael. But then he believed the Holy Spirit was involved. God did what man couldn't, and what came forth was Isaac. We read that Ishmael persecuted Isaac. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, a little bit of an elder brother, uh, sort of like teasing younger brother. This was intense persecution. And in the end, Abraham had to send Ishmael away to protect Isaac. Here it is. Now, this theme goes into chapter 5, where we see, for example, chapter 5, verse 16, we see a war. A literal war. These aren't just exact and opposite strands of thought. The flesh uh, against the spirit. Faith against human power. And Ishmael against Isaac. Look, I say to you, walk by the spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh war against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit war against against the flesh. And these things are opposed to each other. All right? Now, when we're talking about the flesh and opposed to the spirit, what are we talking about? We're talking about two ways of making life work. Now, what is the flesh? Well, we just go a few verses on, verse 19, to find out what the flesh is. The flesh, unbelief, Ishmael, doing it your way. All these things are the flesh. And the flesh and the works of the flesh, verse 19, are evident, obvious. Sexual immorality, 
impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of angers, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But listen, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Can you see this war that's going on, these characteristics of the fleshly life and these characteristics of the spiritual life? And I put it to you today that Isaac is the Old Testament example of the fruit of the Spirit, the nine fruit of the Spirit that we've just read today. And I want to take you through that. Because the church, by and large, understands the power of the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit. But the church, by and large, hasn't a clue about the nature, properties, and activities of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. I mean, some people say things like, oh, patience is a fruit of the... Oh, patience, yes. I've always been patient since I was a young girl or a young boy. I've I've been known as patient. And when I became born again, I, I was patient. Friends, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. That's just your natural disposition. The fruit of the Spirit are as supernatural as the gifts of the Spirit. So that means that You can no more exhibit faithfulness, peace, goodness, gentleness. You can can no more produce those things than you can produce a healing, a raising from the dead, a prophecy, a word of knowledge. The fruit of the Spirit is as supernatural as the gifts of the Spirit, and both the gifts and the fruit come from the Holy Spirit. But let me also say this. The fruit of the Spirit has more power even than the gifts of the Spirit. And when you come across somebody demonstrating and manifesting in a powerful way even one of these fruits, it will stun you. It will cause you to be perplexed as you think, how can someone act this way? How can someone be this way under pressure? It will stun you like a raising from the dead, like a healing from the sick, like a prophecy from the throne of heaven, like a word of knowledge or interpretation or a divine word of wisdom can stun you, shock you and arrest you right where you are. So someone manifesting these qualities of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it'll be like, they'll be, they'll, it'll be like you've met an alien because these fruits and characteristics are alien to the world. Alien, nobody outside the church can manifest these. You say, I know some patient people that aren't Christians. It's not this patience. I know some kind people that are not Christians. It's not this kindness. This is supernatural, supernatural working of God in our lives. So on the one side, we have the picture of the flesh, Ishmael, unbelief, man's ability without God. And then on the other side, you have Isaac, that is a picture of the promise, the faith, the Holy Spirit at work. So let's go back now to Genesis chapter 24. 
and begin to see how Isaac is a picture of these fruit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, you probably don't really know what each one of those fruits are. Because when you read something like the fruit of the Spirit and you hear the word kindness, for example, you immediately bring to that word whatever you think is natural kindness. But the words of the fruit of the Spirit, and we should do a series on this sometime, the words of the fruit of the Spirit are very different to what you might naturally think they are. So, for example, the word kindness in the Greek, prautes, literally, or not literally, but if you want to sum up what kindness means, it means strength under control. Okay? Some people think that the fruit of the Spirit is weakness. Oh, if I'm this kindness and gentleness, I'll just be a doormat. Nothing could be further from the truth. These are the most powerful characteristics that you can display and are the characteristics of an overcoming Christian. For example, the word patience. You might just think that's somebody that's quite patient in their disposition. The word for patience in the Greek is macrothumia, which means long-temperedness. It means the ability to keep on keeping on whatever comes your way. The Roman army in those days used to use this word patience for never giving up and never giving up. Do you know the Roman soldiers, the Roman armies at that time, they would never make peace under defeat. They would fight and fight and never give up. And that quality was known as macrothumia. Now, when we come to Isaac, I want us to look at him because We are Isaac, that's who we're meant to be. And his qualities are meant to be our qualities, his reactions, our reactions. Now, we know, I mentioned it as we prayed in in the earlier reading, that as a boy, he was born of the Spirit. Each one of us as a Christian has been born of the Spirit. Jesus said, you can't enter the kingdom life unless you are born from above, born again. Isaac could not have been born by human will alone. Isaac was born by the will of God, by the Spirit of the living God. And if you're a Christian here today, you have been born again. You are a new creation. God has implanted a new spirit within you, and it's out of that new born-again part of you that God wants us to live. He was persecuted as a child, And we will talk near the end about the picture that you see behind me. If we can just get a look at that. There, that famous story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. And when we preach on Abraham, there he is sacrificing, about to sacrifice Isaac. And there we see the angel staying his hand and bringing a lamb that represents Jesus to be sacrificed in his place. And we often focus on Abraham and his faith, and rightly so, Hebrews does too, But what about Isaac's role in this? We're going to see something very powerful about Isaac's role here. So let's see how Isaac is a picture of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, if we can go to Genesis 24, verse 26. Sorry, Genesis 24, verse 63. Sorry, 63. Now, the story is here about Abraham. Abraham wanting to find a wife for Isaac. So he sends his servant off to do this work, and his servant is in prayer, and his servant eventually finds a young lady called Rebecca who volunteers to water his animals, and then out of that 
he realizes that Rebecca is the one and, and he's bringing her back. And interesting, when, they, when Isaac first meets his bride, he's in prayer. And there he is in the evening, and this is so important to understand, that Isaac, it says, now Isaac, verse 62, had returned from Belahai Roy and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field towards evening. He lifted his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It's my master. So she took her veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Now, this was Isaac's habit. Every day, he would spend time and he would meditate. He would go to prayer in the field. And that's where he dealt with all the issues of life that he would face. And it's interesting because how did Isaac get his wife? Now, if you compare Isaac with his son Jacob, you've got two very different people. You see, we've spoken about Ishmael, and God had nothing to do with that. He's not the, not the son of the promise. Nothing to do with God. And then we've got Isaac, the exact opposite. But then we've got Jacob. Now, Jacob was the child of the promise. God revealed himself to Jacob and gave his covenant promises, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To Jacob. But the problem with Jacob is that although he was a child of the promise, he was like us, Isaac, he tried to get the blessing by being an Ishmael or an Esau. He'd been, pro he'd been promised that the eldest would serve the younger. We're talking about Jacob here. And Jacob had the promise that he would get the blessing. But do you remember how he got the blessing? He got the blessing by dressing up as Esau. He grasped at the blessing of Isaac with the hands of Esau. And he deceived his father. Do you think that's the fruit of the Spirit in operation? No, the promise and the goal was correct, the blessing. But how he tried to get that blessing that was promised him, that was the flesh. And Jacob is a story of a man who's been given so much promise of God but so often does not do it by the Spirit, but does it by the flesh. Let's take the example that we're looking at right now. Isaac, how did he get his wife? Well, his son was sent on a journey, but he just lifted, lifted the whole thing to the Father every day. Every day as he did his business before God, as he prayed to the Lord, he would say, Lord, please, my wife, I pray that you'll give me the one that you want, not the one that I want, necessarily, or even the one my servant wants, but Lord the one that you want. And he was seeking his wife in prayer. What about Jacob? Do you think Jacob would have done it like that? If Isaac had said to Jacob, I'm going to send uh, my servant to find you a good wife, Jacob would have said, no, thank you. I'll find my own wife. He'd have gone out and said, what's your name? Rebecca, got any sisters, cousins? Bring them all out, beauty contest I'll be choosing. <laughs> I mean, you saw how, you saw, he went off, he went off to Laban, didn't he? saw Rachel, and by the morning he had Leah. <laughs> Again, he didn't seek God. He wasn't there in the evening saying, Lord, I'll just lift up this whole marriage question to you. He thought, I'll find my wife. 
And he met a man, Laban, who was even more of a twister than him. I mean, look at Jacob. The first thing we know about him, he's coming out trying to pull his brother back in. He's a wrestler. He's God's choice, God's man. But he does it in the flesh. Now, I heard one preacher say to me, you know, there's not much to speak of, of Isaac. Isaac's a bit boring. Isaac's a bit quiet. There's not much about him to preach about, to talk about. It's totally wrong. Isaac, as I said today, is the living, the Old Testament living model of the New Testament fruit of the Spirit. We are Isaac, and we need to have his traits in our life. It's a way of looking at the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. So he's praying. Isn't that amazing? You can imagine him. There he is. He's praying. He's in the Spirit, doing things God's ways, trusting God, praying God, putting it in his hands. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. My wife come. And he's praying these things. And then there he is. And it says it there in scripture. And he lifts his eye. And what does he see? A woman coming towards him. She lifts her eyes and they meet their gaze and they're together. And you know, he had less problems with his one wife than all of the patriarchs with their wives. And think of, I mean, the Old Testament is just full of family problems. And marriage problems. Genesis is full of marriage problems. I mean, think about Abraham and Hagar and Sarah. It's marriage problems. But Isaac did it God's way. And do you know he's the only patriarch that had one wife? It says he loved her. Later on it says he he laughed with her. One wife and one wife is enough. (laughs) He was the, amen. He could have had two or three. He could have had two or three. But if he had two or three, what would be working? The flesh. I can have, I'll have some more, I'll have some more, I'll have some more, I'll have some more. It would be the flesh working. But he understood the principles of Genesis, that a woman will leave her father and the man and the wife will become one. And so there's, there's a picture right there of his type of attitude compared to, say, like someone like Jacob. And Esau, his son, would make him very unhappy as Ishmael made Abraham very unhappy with his choice of wives. Why? Because they were doing things without God. Well, there's a picture he took things, takes things in prayer. Now let's move to the next picture of him. Let's move to chapter 25 and verse 21. Chapter 25 of Genesis 21. Another picture of the fruit at work in Isaac. And Isaac prayed. Oh, here we go again. He's faced with a problem and he's praying again. He solves it by prayer. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. uh, Isaac, in one verse, did what it took Abraham a whole life to come to terms with. Just like his father Abraham, his wife was barren. But the story of Abraham, and it's a great story, is of Abraham giving up his wife twice to be his sister because he was worried, um, going into Egypt, finding Hagar, having his Ishmael, all these problems. A whole story, a whole lifetime of Abraham growing and learning and making mistakes. And we almost miss the fact that Isaac faced the same thing as his father. The promise was that Isaac, in Isaac, all the Nations of the world would be blessed. We had no child, but one verse. Now, somebody says, well, the thing is, Abraham's life is so fascinating and interesting, and Jacob's life is so fascinating and interesting. Well, maybe partly it's because they made so many manifest mistakes. Same problem Isaac faced as his father. 
And yet, what did he do? He didn't go out and get himself a new wife. He didn't go out and do this. He didn't go out and adopt somebody. What did he do? He prayed. He prayed. He dealt with the same issues. The same issues. Somebody who manifests the fruit of the Spirit deals with the same issues that somebody that, that, that has the works of the flesh. Same issues, different character, different values, different emphasis. He prayed and the children were born. Next, let's go to chapter 26 of Genesis. I'll read this passage. Again, he faces what his father faced. Genesis 26. Now, there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar and to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. If only Abraham hadn't gone down to Egypt. Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I'll be with you and I'll bless you. For to you and your offspring I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, she's my sister. He made his mistake. He wasn't perfect. For he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he'd been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. It was a happy marriage. Isaac, what does, the, what does the name Isaac mean? Laughter. I believe when he came, I've got no proof for this, but I believe when he came out of the womb, he was laughing. He was laughing. He had laughter in his life, joy in his life, joy that the world couldn't rob. The world couldn't take because it wasn't dependent on what the world had to offer. And here he is joyfully with his wife. And let me just say this. At the end of his life, the man was full of peace and joy. But you compare him to Jacob. Jacob was a wreck at the end of his life. Jacob, he had the same promise as Isaac. He was meant to be the next Isaac. I've told you before. He had all the promises, but he put on the clothes and, and worked the promises with the hands of Esau, with the flesh. And so that's why Jacob got into so many problems. Do you remember that time when he had to be wrestled by God into submission? I mean, there he was alone on the river bank. He'd lost everything. He'd sent his family away. He had nothing. And there was Esau on the other side waiting for him. Now, if he hadn't treated Esau so badly... Esau might not have turned against him. It was because of his fleshly grasping, even at the promise that was given to him, that caused Esau to turn against him. What if he had just gone to the Lord and prayed it through? What if instead of dressing up as Esau, he'd just gone, Father, again today I bring these issues to you. It looks like I'm not going to get the blessing, but you've given me a promise, and your spirit can do all things. Therefore, I petition you, and I pray it through, so that I will not operate by the flesh. But he didn't do it. So God came along, and even then he wasn't ready to submit. I mean, look at the picture behind me. Look at the submission of Isaac. That's who he was. But God comes to him, and, and he's there, and he's thinking, how am I going to sort this out? He's sitting by the river by himself. How am I going to sort this out? And then someone taps him on the shoulder, and, and Jacob thinks he's being attacked, and he gives him an old judo throw, and then they're at it. 
And he doesn't realise the person he's fighting is God. And he doesn't give it up. He's like, you want a piece of me? You're going to get me? Think you can, think you can crawl up at me on that? I'm going to show you. And he's wrestling and he's having it and he's, and he's doing it. And, and God's got his finger and then he's got it. And every, all night, all night struggling, struggling, struggling until God has to give him a disability. Puts him in his hip. Ooh, and goes away with a limp. All the days of his life. Goes away with his limp. The sorrows of his later life, when he thought that his son Joseph had gone. He was a sorrowful, broken man, a beat-up man. And most of it was his own fault. Let me tell you something. Whatever the devil throws at you, whatever circumstance throws at you, it's not there to exhaust or ruin you. And if you allow the fruit of the Holy Spirit and character to be formed in you, and the spirit to be there, and deal with it in the spirit realm, you won't come out exhausted, beaten up, and a wreck. You'll come out stronger, healed, and a man and woman of peace. It's not God's intention for you to walk with a limp. But let me tell you something, if you refuse to submit to him, he'll give you a limp. I think of ministries, I've been around the block a few years, been here 22 years serving, seen things in churches around the world and this city. And I've seen men and women of God with a true promise of God and the Spirit with them. And they see the promise of God, but they grasp at it in fleshly means. If someone opposes them, they get into the flesh and they argue and they contend and they fight and they resist. They use every trick in the book to try and make it happen. And they're clutching at what is appropriate. They're clutching at what is appropriate inappropriate with inappropriate methods it's the story of the charismatic church listen to me the charismatic church is not ishmael because ishmael has got nothing to do with god the charismatic church in many ways and i've been part of that myself and i've seen it in my own life in the past and i'm trying to deal with it in the present but the charismatic it's jacob It's got the promises in the spirit, but normally it tries to do it in fleshly ways. God wants us to get stronger and stronger, not weaker and weaker. And so here he is. And and, um, let me me read on. Um, Okay. So, verse... So Abimelech says, we could have, you know, if we'd seen what your wife, we didn't know she was your wife, and whoever touches this man or wife shall be surely put to death. God rescues him from his mistake. But here, verse 12. And Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now, this is important because I tell you what, whenever, whenever, if ever you're going to use the fruit of the Spirit, you need the fruit of the Spirit when God blesses you. I remember one time I came through a test of trial. I wouldn't say that I aced the test of the trial. I wouldn't say I got an A star in it. I probably just managed a C plus with a bit of help from God. But I got through the trial. I made it through the test. I remember it was like the Lord. I think it was the Lord or it was my thinking. God was touching. I felt like the Lord said, well... You made it through that test. Well done. But you're not ready for the big test. And I thought, well, what's that? What's the big test? And I felt the Holy Spirit said, you're not ready for the test of my blessing. I said, yes, I am. 
you're not ready for the test of my blessing. Because if you're not grounded in the fruit of the Spirit, patience with God and with others, kindness, if you're not grounded in the fruit, the blessing will ruin you like a spoilt child. And look at him. This, the blessing that came upon him. He had everything. Now he had the blessing. He had all the resources he needed from the physical world. He had money, he had cattle, he had servants, he had power, he had prestige, he had authority. In fact, even the world was jealous of that from which the world he possessed. And at that time, that time of blessing was one of the most dangerous times when it came to the fruit of the Spirit. And we see this because Abimelech, in verse 16, says, Isaac... Go away from us, for you're much mightier than we. And this demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit, because the next verse says, so Isaac departed. Now you think about that. You are much mightier than we. Please go away. Now, imagine Jacob in that position. Jacob, you're much mightier than we. Please go away. Yeah, you're right, I am mightier than you. You go away. Go on, hop it. Uh, yeah, I've got, I'm stronger than you, I've got more money than you, I've got more warriors than you, so go and sling it. You don't tell me to go away, I tell you to go away, and I'll help it before I give you a good kicking. Wouldn't it, Jacob, you go away. I'm not going away, God's blessed me, you go away. So you could see the sort of Jacob mentality that could kick in. I've got the power, I've got the authority. You see, this is why one of the words in the fruit, gentleness, proudties, is strength under control for God's purposes. When you've got power, you can abuse it. When you've got wealth, you can abuse it. And that's why God doesn't trust us, many of us, with it. Not only that, if, you've got, if you're rich here today, I pity you. you. Say, what? If you've ever read the New Testament and you are rich today, you better be careful. Because God has chosen the poor for special favor. And if you're rich and you're saved today, be quite honest, I don't even know how you got in here. It is a double grace of God because God favours the poor and the rich he brings down. James says this, wail, wail rich, humble yourselves. You see, in this life, the rich aren't humble, they're preferred, they're given the seats of honour, they're, 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 they're seen as those with power. But in the New Testament, the rich can go to the back of the queue and the poorest, the socially excluded, can come to the front of the queue. It's a gospel thing. So if you're rich, great Great, great responsibility has been given to you. And I wouldn't be in your shoes. In fact, God hasn't put me in your shoes because he told me at that time I couldn't handle the blessing. But maybe if you're in there, God has put you there to handle the blessing. But don't just, don't just think that because you're rich, God's favor is upon you. Heavy, heavy responsibility comes to you. Just thought I'd throw that in for all you rich people. Just got a wage rise. <laughs> So you see Isaac. And what did Isaac do? Did he contend? Work of the flesh. Did he argue? Work of the flesh. Did he fight jealousy with anger and outbursts? Work of the flesh. It's all there in Galatians 5. No, he didn't. He said, do you know what? God made me rich. And God can prosper me anyway. I just prospered in a famine. When Abraham, I mean, when Abraham came to the promised land... He was going in, everybody was going out. 
Imagine your whole life, God says, a land of milk and honey. I'm taking you to the promised land, Abraham. And he's going, I'm going to get there. This promised land is going to be, it's going to be like Disney World. It's going to be amazing. There's going to be a red carpet. And when I enter, I'm going to enter the promised land. And they're going to be, here's your castle, Abraham. We've been waiting for you. He enters the promised land. He's going in. Everybody's going out. Where are you going? There's a famine. We're all off to Egypt. Oh, thank you, Lord. The promised land, no food. So what does Abraham do? He's still learning and growing. He makes a mistake. He goes into Egypt, and that's where all his problems start. Gives up his wife twice. That's where his problems start. Finds an Egyptian handmaid in Hagar. That's where his problems start. But Isaac stays where God puts him and trusts God. And so he's happy to leave. He He would rather go down trusting God than work things by the flesh. He could have said, all this has been given to me. I'm going to fight to keep it. So he departed. And he departed into a barren place for the sake of peace. He was a peacemaker. And he went into the valley of Gerar there in verse 17. And there was no water. Because of his integrity, he found himself in a very difficult place. Because of the fruit of the Spirit. When you allow the Holy Spirit, when you, when you pray for your enemies... When you forgive those that harm you, when you bless those that persecute you, when you don't do your battle in the flesh but in the spirit, you will find yourself sometimes in difficult scenarios where you'd have thought, you know what, if I just hit back, I wouldn't be here today. We have to trust God. This is why you cannot manifest the fruit of the spirit without a prayer life. Because that's where you deal with it all. The weapons of our warfare are not, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. You know what I'm talking about? We wrestle not against flesh. We wrestle not, we're not out there wrestling human beings, but there is a battle where God wants to see aggression And where God wants to see boldness and where God wants to see battle is in the prayer life. In the prayer life, that's where you do it. That's where you deal with it. That's where you deal with that person at work that is so provoking you, you just don't know, you're going to give them a good slap one day. I'm telling you what, you've got to do it in the spirit realm. You can't exhibit the fruit unless first, you've been there, there's times when you've struggled. There's times when there's been a difficult situation and you've been tempted to the flesh to taking matters into your own hands. There's times, I'm not saying you've done it all the time, but there's times you've just taken it to the Lord. And you've wrestled with God, not like Jacob, but you've wrestled over the issue. You've wrestled over, your, you've wrestled over what to do. You're concerned, but I'll lose everything, Lord. Your worries, your fears, you're wrestling with God and, and you're pouring it out. But then you come to a place of peace. You prayed it through. The greatest victories in my life The greatest reactions in my life, the greatest responses in my life have been when I have prayed it through. And then I'm no longer under the power of whatever's trying to turn me to the flesh. Die a little bit in the prayer life. Die a little bit before the throne of God. Crucify the passions of the flesh. Kill it. And say, I'm going to go God's way. Whatever whatever happens, I'm going to go God's way. And I've prayed it through. I've covered it with prayer. And then you're in that situation. You're thinking, everything in you is saying, rise up argue, contend, fight, battle, anger, do it. 
manipulate, do something behind the scenes, speak ill, curse. It's all there and you say, no, I prayed over it. God's will be done and God's kingdom come and I'm going to believe God and even if it looks bad, it'll get good one day and I'll get the favour of the Lord. That's the Christian lifestyle. Listen to me. Young men in this country are being sent to camps to be radicalised. And they're going out, and what they are doing is Ishmael. It's the exact opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. They're being radicalized to hate, radicalized to kill, radicalized to destroy, radicalized to impoverish. impoverish. There's no mercy. We need to send our Christian young to be radicalized. Sent my son to be radicalized. Do you know that? I sent him to be radicalized. It's a true story. Sent my son to be radicalized. Wants to do theology at university, and I said to him, that's great, but you know, why don't, why don't you go to Teen Challenge Rehabilitation Center for drug addicts? Let's, let's, if you want, we can do this, and you go there, and you see the gospel, you can volunteer, be there five or six days, just volunteer, do whatever they ask, because if you're going to do theology at university, you've always got to keep your finger on the pulse of the cutting edge of the gospel, because the gospel works. It's, it's not just for theology. It's to change people's lives. And he said, that sounds like a great idea. So I sent it. So I rang them, and I said, is it all right if my son comes and volunteers? And they said, yes. And he went up, and he came back radicalized. Amen. Came back radically into the word of God. He's been radicalized by radical forgiveness. Radical deliverance, radical mercy, radical salvation, radical love amongst people that are broken in the world. A radical understanding of God's radical love for the oppressed and the brokenhearted. Radicalized. It's the exact opposite to the radicalization that's going on in such places as Syria. Let me tell you this. Moderate Muslims can no more solve the present situation than moderate Christians. The only people that will solve the problems of radical Islam is radical Christians. Christians that pray. Christians that pray. Pray for those that persecute them. Love those that hate them. Forgive and give grace and mercy. And would rather be sacrificed on the fields of martyrdom than lift a hand of Esau to protect themselves. You say, where are the Isaacs? They're on the field of the martyrs slain in Iraq. There the Isaacs lie, but they don't lie there anymore. Crowned in righteousness with rewards and glory. And the blood of the martyrs is seen by the throne of God. And God sees what's going on, mark my words. He sees every drop, every beer. He sees what's going on. And yet he calls us to have kindness, patience, love, forgiveness, long-suffering, gentleness. The devil can't defeat love. Love conquers all. In this life or the life to come, the devil has no answer to love, no answer to kindness, no answer to forgiveness, no answer to grace, no answer to mercy. The devil can't cope with it. All these things will pass away. The money and the power and the influence, all these things will pass away. But these things will not pass away. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number one. Number two. Number three. 
Love, joy, peace. <laughs> he had the joy. He had the laughter. He was Isaac. He had the love. He solved the matter. I don't need to go into it now, but you read on. Next thing he does, he digs the well. And he thought, thank God, I come out into this barren place. God's given me. A... And then some shepherd boys turn up and go, what's that? Oh, it's a well that we found ourselves, dug ourselves, and now we can feed all the thirsty animals and the household of Isaac. Oh, no, that's, that's our well. What? That's our well. No, 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 no. This is our well. We just found it. We, no, that's our well. And they begin to contend and argue. And they bring this to Isaac. And what does Isaac do? He, he goes to do business with God. And he's out there and saying, God, I've got a problem here. Everybody's thirsty. Everybody, And they're fighting and, and contending. And, and God, I'm just bringing this to you because, you know, I, I could just crush these shepherd boys. Crush them. What do you want me to do, Lord? I hand it to you, Lord. I will not... I will not move from the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I will trust you. I will not raise my hand and use my power and say it's you. Show me. So he gives them the well. Would you have done that? You've just, been, you've just walked out of a fight where the blessing was into a place. Where, would you give it up the well? And then, the, then they, but, you know, they find a well. Praise the Lord, we found another well. Shepherd boys turn up. They think that Isaac's a weak touch. So that's our well too. What? That's our well too. He could have crushed them. The second well. Now, I like to think, but I'm probably wrong, that I'd have given up the first well. But taking the second well, you're taking the mick. <laughs> I'm going to have to draw a line. Some, I'm going to have to show somebody a little bit. You know, I can't, you know, I can't have this going on. You'll be taking my sheep next. But you see, gentleness is not weakness. It's strength under power for God's kingdom. He had the power, but he said, Lord, your way. And they gave him that well and another well. Wow, what a man. What a man. Does the exact reverse. And then finally, we have this scene behind me. I want to end on this. And we've got the picture of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. And we focus so much on Abraham, but what about Isaac? You know, Jewish tradition says that uh, Isaac was a fully grown young man. Fully grown young man. And when Abraham said, you know, God will provide the sacrifice, looking at Isaac, Isaac said, God's will be done. Because Isaac knew that he'd received the promise that in Isaac would your seed be. He knew he wasn't, he hadn't, wasn't yet married. He knew that he would have children. He trusted God as much as his father Abraham did. Could you imagine Jacob in that situation? Grandfather, where are we going? Grandfather Abraham, where are we going? Grandson Jacob. We're going up on the mountain. We're going to sacrifice. All right. Um, so where's the uh, sacrifice, grandfather? Uh, God will provide one. Jacob. Get off. Would you... Do you mean God will provide one? You're the sacrifice, my son. <laughs> I don't think so, old man. You're not going to get me on that plan. You, you sacrifice yourself. You're the, you're the one with the promises. I tell you what, I sacrifice you. You don't sacrifice me, old man. And don't try any of the stuff on me, right? Because I'm young and you're old. And Can you imagine, can you imagine Abraham trying to get, get him on the altar? Get it off me. Do you want a fresh one? Get away. Get away, I'm not going to sacrifice. You sacrifice, I'm young, you're old. You can die, no one will miss you. You know what I'm saying? But we look at Isaac. 
We look at Isaac. He, he, was, he was a picture of Jesus. A picture of Jesus, who is the true Isaac for us all. There he was, and God provided a lamb. And God provided a lamb for us, so that we don't have to live in the flesh any longer, and so that we can live a new way. And it's time to live the Christian life. I mean, not say we're Christians and live the non-Christian life. Not to be a Jacob wearing Esau's clothes. Not grasping the promises in a fleshly way. But to say, I am Isaac. This is just an introductory sermon in these matters. But as we understand these things, as we look at Isaac and we can say, what would Jesus do? But we can also, from an Old Testament perspective, we can. We can say, what would Isaac do? Deal with the issues of life in the prayer closet. And God will give you the wisdom to manifest the fruit. Gifts of the Spirit to a penny. And I don't mean to... I'm not being dis, uh, disrespectful to the Holy Spirit to say gifts of the Spirit to a penny. But what I mean, he gives them to who he likes. He gives them to who he likes. There you are. Are you worthy of a gift? No, I'll give it to you. Cause, why? Because I like to. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to the great, the small, good. The fruit of the Spirit does not come, comes from somebody who is a disciple of Jesus. You were born to bear fruit. Let's bow our heads in prayer. The Isaacs are coming. Lord, help us to see that even more than what we do, you're concerned with who we are because it's who we are that is going to deal with the things that come. God, Holy Spirit, transform our lives. I pray for a release of the working of the Spirit in your life and heart. I pray for the working of God. I pray for the deep inner work of God. I pray for the Holy Spirit to work inside you and to work in you and in your circumstances as you yield to him to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit that is your victory. I pray for radical lives. I pray for radical lives that are patterned and empowered by the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, you've called us Isaac. Even the Galatians that were all over the place, Paul said, you're Isaac, even though they were acting like Ishmael. He said, you're acting like Ishmael, you're Isaac. God, may we turn from the Ishmael in every one of us to the Isaac that has been born in us, that we might live lives that are triumphant in the prayer place and the fruit in the workplace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.